guys welcome back to another episode of uh the morning we're joined by a couple absolute beauties that are innovating the game as we currently speak yeah ked here what up and i'm also here biz dev dale biz dev how's it going buddy it's good bud we uh me and you got to hang out this weekend go for a nice little camping trip um excited to be back on the podcast get it going we've got uh elevate hockey one of uh new innovative brands in the game we'll do a little introduction today we are joined by Andy Oman, the founder of C- and founder and CEO of Elevate Hockey. Andy's a lifelong hockey player, developed the idea for an offset curved hockey shaft based on his more than 40 years of playing experience. Andy's also joined by Tim Pearson. For over t- 28 years, Tim has worked in the composite sporting goods product developer. He's designed composite sticks, lacrosse sticks, bats, paddles, fitness equipment, He's designed and created over 100 unique hockey stick designs while working with brands like Innovative, Bauer, Nike, Easton, Mission, Reebok, CCM, Coho, Jofa, and now Elevate Hockey. Tim has co-authored the patent for the composite stick that we all grew up with. Andy, Tim, how's it going, boys? Thanks for coming on today. Doing great. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys. BizDev, hell of an introduction. That was BizDev's first introduction that he's done so far. And my God, poetry coming out of that kid's lips. <laughs> Loved every second of it. Yeah, fellas, thanks for hopping on. This is We're excited about this uh, in, in so many different ways because you guys are really changing changing the game realistically. And, you, and it sounds like Tim already has. So it's like we're just going to keep doing this and we're going to keep scoring goals or keep, keep uh, chipping the puck out. Like I, I don't score goals. I'm more of a uh, – Fourth line, like, role player, locker room guy, if you will. Biz <laughs> uh, Dev's more of the guy who's putting the pucks in the back of the net. But Biz Dev, keep it going. I love the energy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, so like you said, these guys are really innovating the game. Um, I posted up a story on our Instagram recently. It's it's pretty unique. I think, like, anybody here listening at home, just pause this podcast right now. Go check out Elevate Hockey. You need to see this to, to – to be it, I think we're going to really dive into dive into the techniques, the um, engineering behind the stick. If you haven't seen Elevate Hockey, go just just pause this podcast right now. Go check it out. It's one of those things you need to see the curve to to believe it. Um, yeah, Tim, Tim, and Andy, if you guys just want to kind of give us a little bit of an overview on what what Elevate Hockey is, uh, the technology, a brief one about the technology behind it, and then we can dive into um, Tim's experience first. Sure, I'll uh, I'll just jump in, and I think I'll kind of give a little intro that'll lead us right into Tim's uh, background and experience. But um, as you mentioned, I played hockey for a long time. I've started playing when I was four, um, and just had this idea quite a few years ago about bending the shaft to a little bit similar to you know when the you think about the the blade of the stick. You know, for years it was straight. Um, Back in the 60s, Stan Makita curved the blade, and uh, obviously that's what all of us use today. We all know a, a curved blade. Nobody's using a straight blade anymore, at least anybody that's over six years old. So um, we just you know, started to think about offsetting the shaft 
um, getting some of those similar benefits and mechanical advantages, uh, leverage and torque, faster shot, quicker release, and better accuracy are really what we were seeking to be able to generate with the offset shaft. And uh, so I started kind of working on that. First thing I did was, was file a patent. Um, that's coming up on almost five years ago that we did that. And once that was filed, started to think about, well, how do we actually make this thing? And so I started searching for people online, uh, reached out to Tim, and uh, he responded to my email and said yes, said uh, he was interested in talking to me. And so we had a conversation and um, kind of took things from there. So, you know, Tim's got a ton of experience, as you mentioned in the intro, and um, he, uh, you know, really was, has, has been involved with us from the very beginning, as soon as we started thinking about how do we make these things, to be honest, I, you know, when I reached out to him, I really didn't expect much. I figured he, he was going to tell me that, uh, you know, he'd kind of seen and done everything and that, you know, there wasn't much new to do, but he uh, quickly got interested and, and um, you know, helped us get things launched. And we've been working together for four or five years now. So, if you guys have any specific questions, you want to jump in with Tim, but otherwise I'll just hand it over to him and kind of let him give his background in the intro. But before, before we get into Tim, I just have a quick question about this idea. Cause where did that come from, man? Do you have a few beers in you? And you're like, Hey, what if we, <laughs> what if we crank this thing? Like, like, how did that happen? Like, was it, were you looking to create a stick different from other sticks or was it just like, I'd like, I, I, I would love to know the thought process behind that. Cause when you look at the stick, you're like, Whoa. <laughs> What's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say I had a few beers in me. I mean, it probably didn't happen one, you know, in one specific moment. It kind of took place over over time, but very high level. I mean, I had this old plastic um, floor hockey stick, yep. and uh, I started messing around with that, and I had shoved a metal rod down the middle of that so I could bend it, and it would hold its shape. Yep. And as I was using that, I started to notice that the shots I was taking with that offset shaft just had a lot more pop. They just had a lot more, a uh, lot more speed coming off of them. And I started just kind of messing around with that stick. And that's really, you know, that was about all I could do in terms of kind of crude prototyping right. was using that stick. And, you know, anybody who, <laughs> uh, you know, asks about that stick and, you know, it, like I said, it was very, very crude. It probably weighed four and a half pounds. Um, so it was not a light stick by any means, but nice I stick to have in front of the net though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Good for knocking uh, sticks out of people's, people's hands and doing a little enforcing, but, but anyway, um, so we could tell that, you know, there was, there was definitely something there, but we needed to actually make, um, you know, sticks that were much closer to what, you know, we use every day. And that was really, you know, where we started to think about how do we do even, you know, just prototyping with carbon fiber, but, uh, you know, how do we actually make these things in general? And that was where the conversation with Tim started. All right. So, so now, so now Tim gets the call and he's like, all right, what's going on? So Tim, what, what's going through the head here? <laughs> all right. So I get the call and I'm like, all right. And, and this isn't the first call I've had. I've had a handful of other guys beforehand going, I got this great idea. I want to make a hockey stick. And I'll tell you to, to be very honest for the first, I, I would say, two, three days and waiting to actually see the details around the tech around uh, what Andy was proposing and where he was going. I'm like, I got to basically tell this guy, you know, here, don't put your money after this type of project because everybody and anybody has tried this. And, you know, really looking at the tech in this and going what the opportunity is, it made sense. 
And, and so I've been around this a long time. And so quite candidly, I tried to talk him out of it for a long period of time <laughs> until he said, hey, let's do this. And, yeah. uh, it, the, and so when I go back and I look at this, I've been around you know, hockey products since I've even going back from 94, uh, started with innovative hockey. Great year, by the way, Rangers cup year. Love that. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I love the game and I got into it by accident. I was in an aerospace, uh, uh, FAA repair station. We were making uh, spares for military aircraft and the owner of the company is like, Hey, we want to get diversified, check out sporting goods. You know, what can you do? And so I got into bent putter shafts and golf, and a couple other things changed. And then I got this phone call from this company called Innovative Sports. And they were, in a they were a golf company. And they're like, hey, would you be interested in making a shaft that's 42 inches long? I'm going to, this kind of dates it. Just a carbon shaft, 42 inches long, that's rectangle. And you just got to have 250 pounds sit in the middle of it. If it passes that, we got a product. And even at that time, I didn't know it was a hockey stick. So that's how I, that was my introduction to hockey wow. sticks. That's early, a wild early. thing because if you yeah. didn't know it was a hockey stick and then years later looking back, you're like, that makes complete sense, right? Because you have like the flex that of like a 250-pound person cranking a shaft. Yeah, and, and at that so time, there, there was only one thing. It was like, it was called the safer play standard for the NHL. And if it didn't pass that test, it, it wouldn't be accepted in the NHL. So bottom line is started manufacturing these carbon shafts and uh, involved with innovative sports and then it worked that we made, uh, we were an OEM for Nike and it just kind of kept rolling. So I spent a good boy, three, four, five years of just that time transition. Eventually I get the call from Easton going, Hey, look, you know, Fedorov just switched sticks on us. And uh, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're playing another product called the innovative stick, which you're working for come to work for us. And so after a lot of uh, serious convincing and, you know, opportunity to play with the big boys in, in the NHL, it was, uh, I made the jump. So I'll, I'll tell you, I, don't, I could go through a long list of all these experiences I've had, but what it kind of comes down to, when I met Andy, it was, look, it's got to be innovative. It's got to have a real tech story. It's got to really do something. And it, and it can't be just talked about. It's got to be visible. It's got to actually perform. And it's got to hold up. So the, I think the credibility that I bring to the team on this is that I know how to source product wherever, I mean, all the major players from an, a pro level down to retail, to you name it from a customization standpoint, I can offer a product that holds up and does the job. My job was to help bring Andy's vision to life by being able to create the tooling, the models, be able to help test it and, uh, and really kind of push it forward as a, a real product in, in hockey. So, so, sorry, Garrison, I just have a quick question. Yeah, no problem. So I'm I'm just thinking like back in 94, I'm assuming those were all wood sticks because I think yeah, when I was yeah. a kid, that's kind of like when the Easton's, was it the Synergy? The Synergy was like one of the first ones that came out in the Stealth. Remember the TPS XN10. So like, as you're like working on these sticks and like seeing more and more people like use them, like what, what a feeling that must be. Like that is literally changing the game of hockey. You give Wayne Gretzky a stick that Ovechkin used back in the day. How many goals does that guy have now? Right. No, it, it was really exciting because I started off when it was just shafts. And they, at the time they, they were yeah, just composite shafts. And so they were installing a wood blade and, um, and going to town. The beautiful part of this is with, while I was at Easton, I had the opportunity to help in, basically invent the process to customize from a wooden blade to a composite blade. So I had this opportunity to meet all these pro players. And that was really the fire that took off to get, get composites moving forward. Then it was pretty straightforward when you decided, hey, join the composite blade to the composite shaft with the original Synergy. 
And then there was just a slew of these one-piece designs that really is the predecessor to today's better performance sticks. Everything under one pound in weight, uh, being able to transfer the energy to all the way to the uh, the blade or the puck itself in the process of just flex and dynamic the dynamics around the energy transfer of it. And I, I don't get again. I always say don't get too crazy about this. This was an evolution, and it, loving to be around all the tech up to this point. Andy had the passion to push forward with this. So it was exciting to uh, um, be part of this team and, and help build product. I mean, that's, that's really cool. When, when, when you said that you were working with these pro players, I always kind of wonder this, like, do you guys just like put a ton of prototypes in front of them and they shoot them on, they let you know what one works best. Like how, how, cause like, if you were to ask me, like, let's say I'm a pro and I walk in you're like, I need to find the right stick for Ted. What types of questions are you asking me? Because I think I'm a huge dummy when it comes to these things. I think I have a little bit stronger of a shot with a certain flex as opposed to a different one. But how do you really like customize a stick for a player, I guess? Well, it started off with basically understanding what they were playing. And, you know, you go back far enough to where the, the majority of the product was wood originally. Right. They would get a large number of wood sticks in. And then they would sort about 25% of those wood sticks out of the mix. And that's what they'd play with. Everything else didn't have the right flex, didn't have the right curve. I mean, it was close, but not to their level of scrutiny. So for us, it was really this identifying what are the flex range looks like, looks like on the shaft? What kind of curve can we customize for them? And then it was literally showing up at practice and with two or three twigs laying up against the wall and say, okay, hoping they'd pick it up and give it a shot. Or they, you had a dialogue ahead of time. They were waiting for it. Yeah. And then it was this kind of fallout. So, you know, it, for me, my personal experiences with pro players started with Sackett. And so... Oh, my God. What kid yeah. didn't use the Sackett curve? Right. <laughs> so so that, that... I transitioned him from wood to composite in the blade. And, uh, and then it was this combination, like, he was close to Paul Korea. And so then Korea was in it. And then it just started taking off. Why is the Sackett pattern still one of the most popular patterns today in composites? It's because that's where it started. That curve and shape was available. Pro players are like, I want it now, but there's not enough time to get a custom pattern. I'll play what you've already made for Joe. I'll play what you made right. for Korea. So it's been exciting to be part of that. But the, the protocol would always be, what are they playing now? What's going on? What's the environment like? Are they breaking sticks? Do you need to make it more durable? Are they having problems uh, with consistency on shot? You know, is the balance point off? Is the curve wrong? And, and I'll tell you, these guys are coming in and they're like, you know, shave a, you know, three hairs off the heel. And, you know, I want the toe to be curved a little more on the top. And we'd craft that form and be back two, three days later with more prototypes. So that's, that was the normal protocol on this for all the companies that are out there that, hey, you just dial it in as much as possible to what they want. And it, all characteristics around stiffness, flex, kick, curve, shape, thickness, um, the, the number of uh, points that you would have to check off the box to dial it in was pretty intense. So, but the beauty was we could take a pattern they were playing and go back and mold a shape that was pretty close to what they already are, were used to and make some minor tweaks to it and get them going forward. Shafts were the first part of this for at least three to five years. It was the technology around the shaft. Then it became the technology around the blade and then the combination of the one piece, how the two should work together. I, I only have one and one more question. I'm sorry I took a nap today, so I'm having a great brain day going on right now. <laughs> what was what was the number one challenge for you guys making these composite shafts? Was it was it durability? Because I'm assuming back then, like 
how do you really know how it's going to hold up against a wood stick, right? Like I feel like wood sticks, you could just chop a tree down with one of those things where it's like composite sticks are good now, but I'm sure like when you first started them out, were they just breaking in half all the time or they've always been a pretty decent, like durability wise. Well, you would, so going back, it was even this transition uh, alloy shafts with Easton, even Louisville had alloy shafts. And so there was this feel and this, so first it was this strategy of replacing the aluminum shaft. Right. Aluminum shaft would take a set, it'd bend, then the guy would flip it over the other way, install it in. And the, it was just a terrible, the vibration in your hand, you name it, it was just kind of a interesting tech, bad application. Right. But it led the way for composites. So probably our number one problem we had at first was trying to get players to not use a torch on the, on the replacement. Oh, yeah. The thing, right? So they would damage the composite shaft, they'd burn it out. So that was <laughs> the first. And then we did get some breakage. But as it refined and got better, the challenge kept being lighter and lighter and lighter. And also being able to take uh, the hosel of the blade and getting it down lower and lower into the, into the, really the heel of the blade. So it was this transition of get away from plugging one end to the other and trying to make a stick out of it to refining it to the lightest potential weight that has the right flex characteristic that transfers the energy in, in the most uh, efficient way. Okay. All right, BizDev, go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm good right now. I'll keep writing things down, though. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I remember just always, I think the Sackick definitely was my first composite. I had a Paul Coffey Sherwood I was always using. And then I think there's there's one year I must have been 12 years old and uh, Squirt B team, everybody, every kid on the team had like an Easton Typhoon. That was, that was my first, that was my first shaft. And it, beautiful. I mean, that's just incredible just to think that, um, you were with Easton at that time. And I remember the, the hockey parents, everybody being like, Oh, hockey sticks are now a hundred dollars. Like, yep. Oh my God. Do you, do you remember that? Like, Oh, I can't believe we're spending a hundred dollars on a composite yep. shaft. Yep. And then fast forward like 10 years later and you have to put a mortgage on them. It's crazy. Yeah. That's right. Mean, it was right in that, right in that uh, squirt time for us where it's like, yeah, this is a big deal. And I just remember the feeling and being so excited when my dad bought me the Easton Typhoon stick. Yeah, and I'll tell you, so it, not only was it like the product, like the type of sticks that were out there. So my, my background also lended itself to different options for manufacturing, different brands. And I've been a problem solver for years. And, and I'm quite candidly, I've, I've always enjoyed the challenge. And so I don't, I enjoy doing the job. But when there's an opportunity to do something new and unique, such as the Elevate shaft, I mean, it was like, okay, this breaks some serious rules. It's not, um, the geometry is unique to manufacture. It's got new stresses that are associated with the performance of it. There's different leverage points. Um, but the real reality is that it, it, it drove the energy to the puck better. It gave more power and shot and follow through. So I, I'll tell you, um, it was a fun achievement to get to that point and to be able to put it on par with the best performance sticks in the market today. Yeah, totally. but, I mean, now we're now we're even building off of that, right? And I feel like that's kind of where we we come in with this elevate stick. We we've been talking to you guys for a little bit now. Uh, BizDev posted a video about it, and you're gonna get some haters, and you're gonna get some haters because people hate change, right? Like I guilty, I'm one of them. I hate when things change. I cannot stand it. Like I look at the game of the hockey right now. Like I like hockey. But then I watch a playoff game from 94, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, that was the gauntlet. It's a little bit different now, right? So, you, you, people hate change one. And two, it's not just like a subtle change. If you look at this stick compared to other hockey sticks, this isn't just like a little thing. You immediately 
see that change. And that's, and you just, you got in on that. You said this, it needs to be visual. Like players need to visually be able to see this. Right. So, I mean, let's talk about the process of really getting that going. Like what, how did that work? You guys, you guys connected. And then how was this engineered? I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll let Andy lead into the, the test sessions, but what I brought to the table was more of what I would call the protocol for validation. And we needed to, you know, one, create a structure and then prove that it did it, what it said it would do. Yeah. And so Andy was w well on board with being able to set up this player test sessions, uh, being able to you know, definitively prove through play test and, and handling of the product that it was improving and that, that it worked. And then we went through a series of, uh, multiple tests. Andy, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that more. Sure. Um, I, yep, I'm on. I had mute on for a bit. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so we started uh, probably, probably about a year after we kind of first connected with Tim and we, we got the first prototypes. Um, the, so the, the, the stick that we're using today is, I, I think it's about our sixth different version, right? So we, we started, um, we got the first two prototypes the first one we pretty much just threw it away. I mean, we knew, we knew, out of, we knew out of the box, this thing is not going to work, right? There's, there's two of those sticks that exist and that's, yeah. that's it. But um, we learned a lot from that. We learned a lot. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. What it is. It, yeah. So sorry, please go. Nope. No, no. I, I mean, we learned every time, right? So that first one was very easy to just kind of say, this is not going to work, but we had a second one. And basically the difference between the first and the second was just how much offset there was. So the stick that you see today has the same exact offset that we had in that second prototype. And that's about two and a half inches of offset. And we started to play around with that one. We did some internal testing and then we had a small group of, you know, very good players, guys who played college, played juniors, et cetera. Um, just guys that we knew locally in Minneapolis. And we got them together for a test session and had them run through uh, a number of exercises that Tim kind of led us through based on his experience testing sticks. Um, we got good feedback, again, about the same as what we had with our own experience. They said, you know, there's something here, but this needs work. And so we, we went back to the drawing board, started to think about what the, you know, what the player feedback was and how we had addressed those issues. Um, the biggest thing there was we just weren't, um, because of the offset and the way that your hands are aligned, the way we had offset it, which was just straight right to left. Um, we, we weren't aligning the forces of the upper and lower hand. We had a physics professor from Canada uh, that we were working with, and he kind of helped us think through um, the issues there. We got that uh, solved. We created a brand new uh, set of two more prototypes. And really what that did was, if you look at the stick now, you'll see that it's not only offset left to right, kind of um, perpendicular to the blade, but it's also uh, offset front to back. So there's actually two offsets that are existing on the stick. And we use that second offset to align those forces of the hand. So when you're loading it, it loads just like a straight stick would. Um, and before that, it, it wasn't loading properly and it was much more difficult to shoot the puck. So that second round, we got very good feedback. We had a much larger group. I think we had almost 30 players testing that. We had former pros in that test group. Um, we had a former Olympian. We had a lot of you know very high level players in that second group. Are you, like, really nervous as this is going on? Like, with all these pro players, like, using oh. stuff? Like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like, are you hoping it works? Or, Yeah. I mean, you, you certainly you step into these things, and, you know, you're, there's always, you know, you're putting your baby out there, right? And you're letting these yeah. people evaluate it, and they're going to – and 
honestly, some people did, right? I mean, we had people tell us this thing sucks. And, you know, but the majority of the players were telling us, no, this is better than my regular stick. I'm really, um, you know, th th there's, you know, a lot more pop. There's a lot, you know, I I'm definitely feeling more accuracy. I mean, we were getting all the feedback we wanted. Didn't mean that we weren't getting bad feedback, right? So you kind of have to, I was talking to a, a guy recently who does a lot of design work and this is more aesthetics than, than engineering, but he said, we're looking to get a third of the people to, to like what we do. You know, and he said, a third of the people are going to like what you do. A third of the people are just going to not care. And a third of the people are going to tell you it sucks. And if you get to a third, you're doing well. So, you know, we, we're kind of working at, on roughly that same uh, principle. Um, you know, we were shooting for, you know, something higher than that. Definitely more than 50% was our target. Um, but we, there was still one more thing that we needed to, to improve. And so what you see in the, the last version of the stick that we that we have out there right now is we lengthened the offset. So the old offset was about 18 inches long. The new one's almost double that, about 36 inches long. And that was really the, the biggest difference. So we went from about a third of the players in that second testing session saying that it was giving us a five out of five, saying it was way better than their regular stick. We did a third testing session. We had almost 50 players go through that, um, even more high level players uh, going through that session. And then out of that session, we had, I think it was just over 90% of the players said that the Elevate stick yeah, was better right. than their regular stick. And you, and you said it was, it was an 18 inch difference of offset. You went from 18 to 36. I feel like that's a uh, huge jump. So yeah. when so you saw everybody the, coming back and being like, this is good, you guys are probably like nailed it. <laughs> like that's what we yeah. had, right? Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Right. And so the, the, the biggest difference was the, the, you know, the earlier versions of the stick, the offset took place. And it was the offset was pretty much done by the time you got about two feet down from the top, right? So the problem with that was the the lower hand was always in um, kind of in the lower section of the stick. We wanted it to extend the transition so that lower hand would sometimes be in the transition and then never below the transition. And so that's where you notice on the current stick. So we started measuring where players' hands are on the stick, and we made sure that the uh, the offset fully encompassed that normal, what we call the operating range of the lower hand. So as players are moving their hand up and down, they're always above that transition point. And that really was the biggest change that once we did that, then the stick became super easy to use. The accuracy was there. The power was there. You didn't have, I mean, I, I kind of liken the second version to anybody that plays golf. If you think about a forged iron and how accurate you have to be, how precise you have to be when you use that, best players in the world can use it and they, they use it very well. But if you're not super precise, you can't use that. And that was the second version was if you were really, really good and really careful when you were shooting, it, it worked well. But the, the third version basically made it, you know, the equivalent of a cavity back where it was really easy to use no matter, you know, what skill level you were. Um, and so that was, that was the point at which we realized that I think we had made it doesn't mean that we don't have more improvements to make. Um, we still have a lot of other ideas out there that we're still contemplating and working on. Um, you know, this is definitely a work in progress, but the current stick, I mean, I've been using it for two years. Never thought about going back to the other one. In fact, I once tried to switch back to a straight stick and said, it's nope. It's really hard. <laughs> I like the Elevate better. Yep. That's, that, so. I mean, that's, so Andy, like when, I'm assuming you play like pickup and probably like beer league and, and stuff like that. So like the first time you went there with that stick, like what was the reaction like? Yeah, we're the uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, 
I kind of forget now because I've been doing it for so, so long. Um, but obviously the first, you know, several times you get out there, people are like, dude, what's wrong with your stick? You know, and <laughs> going in for a face off and people are like, you know, is your stick broken? And, you know, it's just, everybody had a different comment. And then, you know, it'd be people like, Hey, you know, can I try it? Can I use it? You know, and, and just, you know, lots of different feedback. Uh, but you know, my teammates immediately were like, Hey, you know, you've never been a goal scorer. And now all of a sudden you're scoring one or two goals a game. Right. And so I, just kind of you start to see that transition happen and it was you know probably a combination of all of those things but speed and accuracy I think were the biggest things for me that I was getting shots off faster and and I was picking my spots way better with with that stick so um, that was that was definitely the you know the experience for me and I think everybody has a little bit different experience I think the biggest challenge we have both you know early on but still um, you know, to your point, right? A, it looks different, but B, you can't pick it up and just immediately notice the difference. Right. It takes it takes about sixty to ninety minutes to get used to it. Um, the release point is a little bit different, um, so you know that takes a little bit uh, of adjustment. And then the the blade is in a slightly different spot, you know, from a stick handling standpoint. So both of those take take a little bit of time to adjust to. But um, I, I we did a lot of reading about when Stan Makita went from his her, the straight blade to the curved blade. And, you know, he's quoted as saying he had to play with the curved blade the entire summer before he was comfortable using it in a, in a game. Right. So, you know, we don't think this is anywhere near that, you know, much of a transition that it's much more familiar than going from a straight blade to a curved blade was. Um, so the players that have given, you know, given the stick the opportunity have gone out and tried it and used it, got used to the release point. You know, 75 to 90 percent of those have said that they prefer the elevate stick and they've made the switch i mean it, it kind of sucks in terms of timing right now because corona just started and like you you guys sent us them and i can't wait to use them i i couldn't wait so much that i went out and i bought myself a hockey net and i'm like i'm gonna rip 500 bucks a day i don't rip 500 bucks a day but the first time that i use elevate stick uh, I'm more of a Patrick Kane curve guy, but I got the Ovechkin curve. So I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. First one, I rifled this puck. I'm not kidding you. Like it felt, it felt good. It felt almost like kind of seamless. It, it was, it was interesting, but because of the curve the thing went sailing, broke a window. I couldn't make that up. Like literally the first shot that I took with it. But at the same time, I'm like, hell yeah, man, that's my roots. Like that's growing up breaking windows. This is, this is where I want to be right now. And then it, it takes a little bit of adjustment time. Right. But if you're telling me it only takes an hour, hour and a half, that just sounds like you go to a stick and puck real quick. You fuck around with it. You figure out what you're going to do. And then boom, you're ready to go in the, for the game. Right there. Like that sounds perfect. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm right right there with you. I can't wait to actually step out on the ice with this and really hone in on my stick handling. Um, the first shot I took also, I sailed it. I'm definitely kind of a, a wrist shot guy. So I took two wrist shots. The second one, both of them, I was like, wow, the, the pop on my hand was was immensely better but then I wound up and really lowered my hand into it for a slap shot and I it, I got a gain I must have gained 15 miles an hour on it like not even not even kidding like I, I don't really take slap shots but it, it like shocked me I was like oh my god all right let's Wait, go. when you guys were like doing this was that a thought in your mind too in terms of like snapshots wrist shots slap shots how to been like how how big was that for you guys yeah so the the benefits depending on what type of shot you're taking, um, the, the stick benefits in different ways. So, you know, with the wrist shot, that's really where you're getting that leverage, right? Because the offset, you're able to create a bigger arc. You're able to hold the puck against the, the hold the puck against the blade longer. 
And, and what that allows you to do is uh, accelerate. I mean, if you think about ballistics, the longer the barrel, the, you know, the faster and more accurate the, the bullet is, right? And that really is what we're talking about with, with the, the hockey stick too. So when you can go, uh, so Elaine Hache is, is the, the physics professor that we were, we were talking with. He's got a couple of books uh, specifically on the physics of hockey. And he talks about the hockey stick and how that has uh, changed over time. And he talks about the time that the blade or the puck spins on the blade. And when you curve the blade, that's where you started to see an extended amount of time. So the player could almost double the amount of time that the puck stuck, sticks to the blade. And that, that's a big benefit that the curve blade uh, provides for the player is that you're holding the puck against the blade longer. The elevate stick just advances that, extends that time even longer. And so players are able to hold the puck against the blade longer. They get a faster shot, better accuracy. And that's the benefit with the wrist shot. A little bit with the snapshot. When you get to the slap shot, you're, not you're talking about a much different type of shot where it's the, you know, we call it a hard dynamic shot where you're just loading the stick into the ice and then, you know, hitting the puck. That's more about the, the, the loading dynamic. So if you look at the, the elevate stick, when you're loading it, you're loading into that curve. That curve is going to hold a lot more energy than when you're just loading a flat stick and you're bending it. This you're actually loading into the curve and you're going to be able to put a lot more energy into that stick. And that's how the the stick is generating benefits for the slap shot. So you're seeing different benefits, but as far as the outcome, the puck is just going faster. I mean, it, so the outcome is the same. How it generates those is a little bit different. And every, every second matters in, in, in Absolutely. Any, any league, any second like that is just, it's in there. So. You know, you nailed that. I was thinking the exact same thing. Hockey is a game that inches, and if you give me an uh, extra split second, like, it could, it could go anywhere. You know what I mean? So well, – and I mean, one of the things that we, we saw, you know, in our, in our research was, and this is mostly NHL data, we have a little bit of NCAA data that shows roughly the same thing. The NCAA data doesn't go back as far. But if you look at NHL data, you go back to the early 80s, and they were scoring total between the two teams, they were scoring about eight goals a game. You go to, you know, 2018-19, that was down to a little over five goals. So you'd lost three goals a game. And the biggest difference that we saw was that just the fact that the save percentage for goalies had gone up. So the number of shots per game was roughly the same. Both teams were still taking, you know, about 30 shots a game, but the number of goals per game is going down because goalies, you know, the, the, whether it's equipment, whether it's technique, uh, the butterfly, et cetera, goalies were taking more shots. So when you talk about the speed of the puck, that's the reaction time of the goalie. And so if you can give that back to the player, give that reaction time back to the player, now they have the advantage over the goalie. Here, here's a weird question for you. If you could get any NHLer to grab the, the twig and, and go out for a rip, who, who would you want to, like, who would you want rip it? Who, who, who in the NHL do you want to impress the most? Well, you know, I think, from, you know, there, there's certainly some players that you could pick that you would say, all right, I want this player to use it. But I would say, you know, from my perspective, more of that is, is about the player's mentality. So, you know, we, we know we need players that are open to something different, right? Mm -hmm. That aren't going to judge it just immediately. So, you know, I don't know the players well enough to know who would, you know, fit that mold. Um, we're working with some, you know, former players, guys who retired in the last couple of years. So they have some insights on that for us, um, you know, as far as like, who they think would be more open to, you know, some new tech. And 
those are the guys that, you know, we're going to eventually try to, you know, work with um, in terms of identifying both to get feedback, but also to get somebody to try to use it, you know, whether it's in practice or a game, whatever we can do. Um, but it's really, you know, somebody that's, you know, open to new ideas. You know, if you look at, you know, other new ideas that are out there, you got the Mars blade, right? So who are the guys that are using the Mars blades right. and, you know, that kind of thing. Those would be the guys that we'd be interested in targeting for the elevate stick as well. When I, I asked that because I have a specific player in mind. They say Austin Matthews, that the way he releases his puck is different from everybody else. And it's almost like he's innovating himself, right? He, right. he Sometimes he pulls it in a different way and it's all about angles. And in terms of the NHL, the, the, whoever has one of the better releases has got to be Austin Matthews. So I, I would right. love to see Matthews wheel around with that thing because every time he's, out, he's playing the Rangers, they keep talking about how he changes up the way he shoots. I'm like, I get it, dude. Like, he's way better than me. I don't need to hear why he's scoring 100 goals. All right, like, cool. Phil, Phil Kessel too because I remember hearing like the guy uses a 77 stick and then I think I got into um yeah how certain players will use different flexes throughout um their season so they're stronger right. and they're working out a lot more in the off season so September we'll use a heavier flex and then in March it'll be you know 77 and that kind of just blew my mind that like Line A has like power play sticks like sticks specifically yeah. for when he's on the power play cranking slap shots yeah. And, you know, so you mentioned Matthews and we've talked about that, right? Because he does the, the little toe drag, pulls the puck in and changes the angle um, where he's, he's shooting from. And that obviously is messing with the goalie in terms of, you know, how they're setting up for the shot. And, you know, the elevate stick really, you know, from a theoretical standpoint would serve that type of shot very, very well because the, the stick naturally is creating space to make that move. Exactly. The top hand, right? The top hand is automatically forward. And so you, you're, you're giving the player, uh, you know, kind of an advantage just in the shape of the stick and how ergonomically how it fits. Um, but then it also is allowing the player, one of the things we've done is uh, we've isolated the different part. If you think about a pitcher, right? So a pitcher is taking a whole bunch of different moves, you know, leg kick, you know, hip turn, the, the arm, a wrist flick, all of those things to be able to produce a hundred mile an hour pitch. Right. So a hockey player is doing the same thing. And we've isolated just the last bit. So if you think about, if you take a regular stick, a straight stick, and you're just going to take a shot, and the only thing you can do is kind of turn your wrist. You can't yeah. do anything else, right? Right. Imagine yourself, you're stuck in front of the net, and the only thing you can do, you just reach the puck, and all you can do is just do a quick wrist flick. If you take the elevate stick and do that, now you, can, you, you have a lot more power because you can do much more than just the wrist flick. You can actually just quickly move your hands. You can, be, you can put about three times more force on the puck using the elevate stick with just that one isolated move. So if you take that and you think about it and you say, well, I'm doing all the other stuff just the same, and then right at the end, I can put three times more power on that finish. Lights out. That's an advantage, right? And so if you take the, the Matthew shot and he's pulling it in, he's in tight, he doesn't have a lot of room to put a lot more power on it other than that wrist flick. Well, now he can put a lot more power on it because now he does, yeah. right? Exactly. Right. Right. So that. that absolutely is one of those, one of those types of shots and the kind of that new, uh, you know, new player technique that we'd love to be able to see what the elevate stick does relative to a straight stick. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, one of the, one of the main things that I've gotten just from my friends taking this, this thing out and showing people, um, well, first they're like, you know, what, what, what is this, you know? Um, but then the second question I get is like, is it legal? Um, and I know you and I touched a little bit about that in our prior conversations, but um, 
approved for play in the NCAA USA Hockey and Hockey Canada. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit more or what yeah. that process was like getting. Was that kind of a pain going to these people and being like, I have a stick that looks nothing like a regular stick, but please approve it. Like, I, <laughs> like that's got to be kind of. You know, I would tell you, and, and, and Tim can jump in here too, but I think Tim had a lot harder. Uh, he had a lot harder road getting approval for the stuff he was producing uh, because in reality, pretty much all hockey, you know, associations have three different rules uh, for the stick. They define the length, they define the materials, and then they define the size and shape of the blade. Well, you know, for us, we, there really wasn't anything in those rules that precluded what we were doing. So, you know, having the offset stick, uh, the, the shaft didn't, you know, wasn't really envisioned in any of that. Um, there were some rules around, you know, there's, there's a rule that says you can't have any projections, whatever that means, um, within the shaft. And we really think that's like if you had some kind of perpendicular piece attached to it. Obviously, that's not what ours is. So we looked at ours and said, we don't think there's anything here that really should be illegal, but we wanted to make sure, right? So we went to every association we could. Um, we went to USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, uh, NCAA, NHL. We've gone to all these groups. And frankly, like when we went to USA Hockey, they said, why would we need to approve this? Well, we were only talking to them, right? We were talking to them on the phone. We, well, so my business partner went out to Colorado Springs and brought a stick into their offices and they said, oh yeah, this is different. <laughs> they looked at it and, you know, I, I can't remember exactly how long it took, but it probably took about a month. And finally we got a, you know, we did get their formal response and approval um, saying that it, you know, was within the rules of, of USA hockey and it was, you know, could be used for play. So um, the NCAA probably had the most formal process out of any of them. So we actually sent in uh, two sticks. They had an internal review process where they looked at new equipment and they gave us a very formal um, certified approval that said that the elevate stick is approved for play in the NHL. Um, and then, you know, we, we have it from uh, hockey Canada. And then we also have, um, I guess a conditional approval from the NHL. So they've told us that the stick doesn't um, violate the rules, but they wanted to wait until they have more uh, active player feedback uh, before they would give us formal approval. So, you know, from that standpoint, you know, it, ours really was not that hard. We didn't have to do anything to argue, but you know, like with, with Tim, I think Tim, you went through a, a, probably a lot more rigorous process of getting, those early carbon fiber sticks approved, didn't you? Yeah, there was a little bit of, uh, well, even going back late Eastern days, there was a big push to have the NHL regulate the performance characteristics of the shaft. And so all the manufacturers were kind of brought together and we had this big challenge of trying to set standards. And, and you know, it was, it was an interesting time, but it was basically, we had to share our recipe with everybody, every other competitor in the business making sticks, and it just didn't work out. What we did learn from it, though, finally was, hey, look, we know that if we build a stick strong enough, the, the biggest concern out there is you break a shaft, you spear somebody with it, or it causes some form of injury of some sort. Yeah, and I'll, t yeah, and I'll tell you what, what they were coming off of, the NHL was heavy on uh, concussions with helmets. So when you talk about these sanctioning bodies, the big issues surrounding them are usually, st it usually starts with the head and then works its way down. So they were looking at just, again, making it safe for play was being the biggest issue. 
Um, usually though with a, a, a normal brand, once you're in the first door and, and you've, you've got that first certification from anybody, it pretty much opens it up and, and goes from there. But you know, always challenges to go, hey, here's a new material. And then, oh yeah, by the way, when it breaks, there might be little shards of carbon fiber on the end. Oh yeah, don't spear anybody with that. So <laughs> there was all kinds of little challenge, but you know, end of the day, um, it wasn't too terribly bad, but uh, it had its challenges. In, you, in our, sorry, go ahead. Did you just like look at them? You're like, well, yeah. If you break a stick, it's a spear. How's that any different? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Let's let's try and figure this out. I'll tell you, most of the hangup was just, and 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 you guys know as well as I do, the the days of the old end plug or closing out the end is is far and few from what it used to be. It's tape, man. You wrap a couple strips of tape around it and you call it a day. Um, you can still be speared by the end of that. So, like, again. It's not like there's a pillow on the end of it. It's going to hurt. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. That's, I mean, that's, this is all unbelievable stuff. So, yeah, again, the stick, more velocity, improved accuracy, quicker release. I mean, I ask everybody who kind of comes on here, like, do you guys have a moment, like an oh, shit, we did it moment? So I feel like everybody kind of has those in terms of like business or just like any sort of journey. Like, what was your oh shit moment? Uh, well, I think we, uh, we've, we've had a few, but we maybe still are waiting for the big one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think going through all those testing sessions, you know, you're getting that player feedback, you're starting to see, Hey, this is working. Um, you know, the players are really, you know, they're digging it. You can kind of see them even within those testing sessions going from, man, this is crazy. I don't know how my ever going to use it. And I remember we had one guy come out of the, one of the sessions and he had played at UMB, uh, just had a cannon. I mean, this guy was just dropping bombs the whole time. And he didn't say anything to us, you know, before or during the testing session about the stick. And he pulls me aside afterwards and he goes, I got to tell you, he goes, you guys gave me one stick to test. He goes, I've done a lot of testing. He goes, I've tested other brand sticks. He goes, one brand gave me eight sticks. I broke seven of them in an hour. He goes, you gave me one stick. He goes, I just laughed. He goes, this is never going to make it. We had a, it was a 90 minute session. It lasted the whole time. And he goes, not only did it last the whole time, he goes, it still feels new. He goes, I, he goes, most of the sticks I would test after that long feel like a noodle, right? Cause he's out there, you know, taking a hundred slap shots during that time. And he goes, this thing is, he goes, from a durability standpoint, he goes, this thing is unbelievable. Um, you know, he was testing the second version of the stick. So there were still some performance things that we had to work on. Um, but from the durability standpoint, I mean, we just, you know, we nailed it on that. And, um, you know, that really is all the credit that goes to Tim and, you know, his experience in making sure that, that we were putting a, a quality product out on the ice and not something that, uh, you know, was really going to be questionable in terms of its, uh, its quality. And what's cool about that, I feel like when people are testing these sticks, I feel like they're not really just like being easy with them. If, if you were like, no, test no. this stick, I'm be like, I'm going to hammer this thing. <laughs> we're going to see what happens, right? Especially, and I don't have a bomb. I have, I have a muffin. It's not fast and it, it kind of flutters quite a bit. So I would, I'd probably just be hammering this thing the whole time and then be like, oh yeah, unreal. Still together. This is great. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that, you know, Absolutely. that's one of, that's one of the big parts of this test session. When you get these guys together, you tell them, listen, I know you love us. I know you're, you, you have this passion to be part of this development team right. don't sugarcoat it right play this product like i mean hammer it i mean don't destroy it purposely but hell put it through its paces right. and that's my aha moment is when it's like man we have good durability we have good performance 
you would hear a shot ring off the pipe and it was like, holy, like the power, you could audibly hear faster, harder shots. And that, that was kind of that, I, holy shit, I, I'm excusing the language, but I mean, it was just oh, like, for me, that is what was always that moment of like, what did he shoot with? Oh yeah, because you know, in a lot of our tests in our sessions, we would have them try initially their stick and go through the exercise, and then they would use the elevate stick and go through the exercise, and then compare the product. So it was always exciting to to hear that ring out or that impact. Or, um, but for me in the test sessions, that was validation. We had good durability, we had good performance, and uh, you can not only see and hear it, but you know you catch these guys after they're coming off the ice and, and they're not they're not obligated to tell you in fact yeah. many of them would say it just as andy said offline or away from the rest of the group it was awesome or it did this or did that and um so for us it was getting as much feedback as possible for validation and i think that's that was for me when i said i think we've got something and i really feel like if you can get this traditional group of players if they play hockey to stop for five minutes and think about this and give it, a, uh, give it their best effort and being willing to let it convert what they know to date, it's going to improve their game. And I'll tell you, you, going back to the NHL and pro players, how they transition out of sticks, how you get pro players, the majority of every stick that I ever landed with a pro player was because they were having a bad day with their current stick. They were on a – they couldn't score. Something was – the, the effing stick was broken that they're currently playing. They need a new stick. I'm sorry, I didn't know. So, so they were open to these new opportunities, and then that's where you got your guys. And, uh, you know, you put, put a stick in their hands, and they were willing. Their mind was open. They are willing to try something new, and they learned how it actually worked for them and, and, and transitioned into it. Yep. For Elevate Sticks, that's going to be the same thing that happens for us. And that's huge, right? Because hockey players are, I, I feel like we all have our superstitions too, right? Like if I go through a drought, I switch my stick and I don't even think twice about it, right? Like, so I jumping on that's awesome. I love the fact that it's durable, right? Because I mean, I'm not in the NHL, but I hate spending money on hockey sticks. Like it's probably top three worst feelings in the world, like nails on a, on a, on a chalkboard, uh, like finding like a food in your hair or something and then breaking a hockey stick at men's league. Like those are the, those are the worst <laughs> three things that can happen to somebody. And, and the fact that like, that's durable and, and it's cool too, right? Like be open about stuff that for whoever's listened to this podcast. And if you look at the stick and you're like, at, like what's going on, be open because it rips. It, you have the technology behind it. You have the experience behind it. Why be scared about this? Just do it at least give it a shot. Right. And then absolutely, like, absolutely. and, and we, we've been ripping pucks. I cannot wait to get on the ice just to wheel around with this thing. And cause you know, everybody's going to be like, what kind of stick is that? Which is also really cool for you guys too. Right. Because you just look at the stick and you, you immediately know that it's yours. Yeah. Right. Like there's right. a lot of other hockey sticks that people are wheeling around. You're like, is that a warrior? Is that an Easton? Like, what is that? No, like that's an elevate stick. I can tell, like clearly I can tell and that guy's rifling shots right now. So it makes sense. Do you have do you have more? Yeah, I was I was gonna say um, just Jimmy and I are both entrepreneurial minded guys, and to anybody else out there listening, um, you guys have kind of put on a real clinic on innovation. You talked yeah. about one of my favorite parts, honestly, was you you referred to going back in history about the straight blade stick and um, you know learning from that adoption process, and um, you talked about the minimal viable products prototyping. Um, if there's any insight or feedback that you would give a younger entrepreneur or 
someone listening to this podcast that's thinking about creating a new hockey product, uh, what would that be? It's a good question, Dale. And before you answer, let me just say something really quick. We created this yeah. hockey podcast. We love hockey. Dale and I also went to school together and went to school for marketing. And I can't tell you how many times that we'd be staying in like a classroom at like 930 at night, just like either writing blogs or going over Google analytics. And like, we're like obsessed with this shit. It's kind of weird. Like every Monday morning I get a text from Dale and he's like, it's Monday, buddy. What are we doing? What are we buzzing this week? So like having, having you guys on, you're right. Like we, we covered a hockey side, but we've actually covered a side of just like, not being complacent. Like, like go and do your thing. If you fuck up, cool. Make another one. Like, I, I appreciate that. So take, take it away. But, yeah. You know, it's always funny because people always say, you know, I, I think, you know, you go through enough entrepreneurial classes or, you know, reading books, whatever it is, people always think, well, you got to have a problem, right? There has to be a problem you're solving. And what I've always said about, you know, particularly any, any kind of sporting, you know, event um, or activity is people are just always looking to be better right? There doesn't need to be a specific problem. So I would say the problem that there is, is whether there's an opportunity and that opportunity is I can, you know, let players be better. And, and so, you know, I, I think it, it's easy to get stuck on well, what problem am I solving? And just, if you think about, you know, especially in the sporting equipment world, am I making players better? And if you're doing that, I think that's, you know, that's ultimately where, um, where there is an opportunity, there's something that you can go in and you can um, create a product, you can create a service, whatever it is uh, around that. And so I think that, that really has been, you know, our focus. Um, I think it, you know, it's in our mission uh, statement that we put out. We just said, we wanted to make the game of hockey better. We wanted to make hockey players better. And, and that's really what we set out to do. And, and, you know, we started with the elevate stick, but, you know, hopefully that's not the last thing we do. Hopefully there's other opportunities out there that, you know, we're constantly brainstorming around other things that we can do. Um, you know, how can you make the skate better? How can you make gloves better? Whatever it might be. Um, so we're always thinking about that, but um, at some point, you know, you gotta, you know, you get, you gotta just do that minimum viable product and say, this is good enough and we're going to go to market with it. And we've done that. And, you know, we're still looking to get traction, um, really get things going, but you know, to date, the feedback has been been awesome. I think that's probably the other thing that um, you know you guys mentioned early on is there's gonna be a lot of people telling you why it's not gonna work, right? It's super everybody's easy. got an opinion nowadays, man. It's insane, right. and if, if you it's don't agree with them, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's super easy to be a critic. Anybody can you know come up with you know the 15 reasons why something isn't gonna work. The hard part is you know having the you know commitment to sticking with something and saying you know, screw everybody else. We're going to make this work. We're going to go. And I think that's the other thing that, that you know, for a lot of people getting started in something, you think it's, a, you know, this is the best idea ever. And you start showing people and all of a sudden 10 people tell you it's stupid. And you're like, all right, I'm just going to quit. Right. And you gotta, you gotta really have that thick skin and just ignore that. Um, at some point, you know, if you get you know, 10,000 people telling you it's stupid, well, maybe you got to start to listen, but um, you know, you got to know that they're, I think um, there's, a, there's a book out there called Crossing the Chasm, and it talks about, you know, the people, the, the consumers, and how you split up consumers, and there's only, only about 10 to 15% of consumers that are ever going to be open to new products, and so you've got to just focus on that group and say, I know the other 85%, if this is good, they'll come eventually, but they're not going to be the first ones to try it, right? So you really got to focus on, you know, that 10 to 15% of people who are just generally open to new ideas. And the rest are probably going to be very hesitant, 
they might just sit there on the sidelines and be neutral, but there's definitely going to be a group of those people out there who just tell you it's, you know, it's ugly, it's stupid, it's never going to work. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your money? And, you know, I think it's really, it, it can be easy to listen to that and, and just give up too soon. Perseverance, yeah. Stick to your gut. Absolutely. You got to believe in yeah. what you believe. And that, I mean, I don't know. I love hockey people who say it every time, cut from the same cloth. No matter who comes on the podcast, everybody's the same. People love hockey. They love talking about hockey. And I, they love helping each other out, too. Exactly, man. And, and let me tell you what. Right. We're going to skate everywhere. Like, I, I probably play right. eight or nine different rinks during the year. I can't wait to just get out there. And I can't wait for people to ask questions and be like, okay, man, well, I got it. Let's, let's go. Like, so that composite stick you're using that yeah well they created that too next what else we got here so uh that, i mean that'll be great I mean, the, you know the, the other thing i would say you know you guys have already you know you've kind of gone through this too but a i mean in the hockey community i mean tim's a great example of this you guys are a great example of this but there are so many people out there who are really willing to help right but i mean you guys are giving us this time on the podcast i mean tim is you know out of nowhere. I mean, Tim and I, I don't know how long did we work together before we met? Probably a year. I mean, we were working together, you know, by email and phone calls for a long time. So we didn't, we didn't have any personal connection. Um, you know, I honestly, I, you know, when I first sent, you know, Tim that email, I was like, Hey, I didn't expect him to respond. And even if he responded, I expect him to go, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a crazy idea. Good luck. You know, I'm not jumping. We on love board. that though. Cause but we do that shit all the time. In, right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Absolutely. Right. And so uh, I, I would say, you know, before I did this, you'd look at other people who were, you know, doing anything similar. You're like, how did you guys figure this out? Right. How did you figure out how to make a stick? How did you get connected to Tim? How did you, you know, how did you, you know, meet this physics professor? How did you get these players? Honestly, you just reach out and these people respond. Right. I mean, that was, that was the most surprising thing was just how willing people were to help. And, you know, you just, it doesn't take much. I mean, especially today, right? You can start making those connections. That networking is real. Do it. And, you know, you're going to be amazed. I mean, I would tell anybody that's thinking about it, you know, find me, reach out to me, man. I'm happy to help because I want to pay it forward. So if somebody out there is listening to this and they're looking to get started, find me, man. We'll, uh, we'll connect. So. I love that. As, as our good friend at the Ultimate Hockey Fan Cave, Ken Shaw would say, you got to play it forward. That's, yeah. that's his, uh, this is his go-to pun. And that, and that worked out perfectly. It's almost poetic because Jordy at Ultimate Hockey Fan Cave is the one that gave us the right. together. <laughs> right on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so right. if that's you right. guys check out their websites, elevatehockey.net. You hop on here right now. It says you can buy one, get one for 100 bucks. I would do that. I, they're just – they're fucking cool, man. And just be open and I, I – you can, yeah. If you're at this point in the podcast, you've already gotten this far, right? And it's like, try it. Yeah. Why the fuck not? And then watch you score 100 goals and then thank Morning Skate and, like, send me your residuals or something, and then I'll, I'll toss them your way to <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and, and Jimmy, you, you can't jump over Tim's uh, lesson to us entrepreneurs, too, because I'd like to hear that as well. Oh, uh, I'll tell you. Okay. So, for me, and Andy knows I'm a broken record on this, you got to have a compelling story. A compelling story that can be backed up with facts, you know, really uh, test results that prove something is better, uh, wor uh, works more efficiently, um, is unique in the marketplace, uh, tells a story and that is, that's, again, factually based. 
And so for me, that's kind of my threshold. There's plenty of marketing out there from the standpoint of brands where we're going to call it something that's a, a certain style of name or a certain color or look. That doesn't necessarily make it a better product. You've got to come to the table with something that's going to change something. For, and there's got to be a problem that needs to be solved. And so for me, if you're willing to commit the time and the energy and effort to do that, then I'm on board. And, and we, when I met Andy, we had this conversation. This wasn't going to be a one-year. This wasn't going to be a two-year. And quite right. candidly, you know, five-plus <laughs> years later, we're still moving forward. But it's the time and commitment. And I'll tell you, most people don't have that staying power. Most brands, every major brand that you talk about in hockey today that's survived or morphed into a new brand or what have you, the longest development cycle that's probably been ever in existence in any of those companies is less than 24 months. So there's not this grand vision of three, four, five years out where we're going to be. They're reacting to the here and now and what the other competitors are doing out there. So if you're, you have an entrepreneurial drive and you want to go after something unique, have the staying power to see it through smartly and make sure, again, the compelling story side of it, that actually you're not making something that's a me too. You're making something that's going to either change the game or improve it or improve the player. That's my, that's my 10 cents. I like that though. Elevate the game. Elevate the game. That's right. Again, we're just we're just running on puns right now. I, I'm shaking. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, do you have anything else? Oh, just I yeah, I really do appreciate you guys coming on. You shared a ton of insight and uh, hopefully a lot of awareness and uh, enthusiasm from our fans and followers, um, listeners here. Oh yeah, go to the website elevatehockey.net. Buy one. They have an ambassador program, which would be cool to sign up for. Uh, I don't know. I, I really appreciate both of you guys coming on. Like we, there's never been a time we've done a podcast where I'm like, Oh, we got to do a podcast now. It's like, okay, cool. What are we talking about in the hockey world today? And I mean, this just knocked it out of the park. Just another great one. Casual, whatever. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you. <laughs> this was fun. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. And uh, thanks to uh, Jordy and Kenneth, the uh, ultimate fan. Cave, that's how we got here. So appreciate all you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers, everyone. Thanks.